Hi, I'm Dan Whedon, and this is Unleashed the Podcast. You can find our podcasts wherever you get them. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we're all over the place, so please come find us and subscribe. I'm very excited to have my guest, Anne Latham, today to talk about her book, The Power of Clarity. I've known Anne for probably at least 10 years. We hang out in the same consulting group, and Anne is an expert on gaining clarity for not only CEOs and business executives, but for anybody who's trying to improve their own personal performance, decision-making, time management, all of that. So uh, welcome to this episode of Unleash the Podcast. My guest is Anne Latham, and we're going to talk about the power of clarity. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unleash the Podcast. I'm Dan Whedon, and I have a very special guest today. It's Ann Latham. Ann is a consultant who I have known. Ann, I, I, I think it's got to be upwards of about 10 years, if not more, because we met in a global consulting community, which we're both part of. And you probably have been there longer than I have, and I've been there for 13 years now. So I think we're going on at least 10 years that I've known you, and you're coming out with a book, and we want to spend some time talking about it. So first, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And it's been, yeah, it's probably, I probably met you when you first joined, because I've been involved in that community for probably- And, and we are, yeah, we're on the other side of the, the coast too. You're out of, you're, if you still are, I think you're still out of the Boston area. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Out of the and I'm I'm all the way on the other side. Although I think we beat you for heat this week. We were up to 111 degrees, which is unfathomable. I, and you're welcome to it. <laughs> no, I'm giving it back. I, I promise you that. But what I don't want to I, I don't want to waste time on nonsense like the weather. I want to get some clarity, and I need to get some clarity in my life. And lo and behold, uh, I am looking at a website power-of-clarity.com, powerofclarity.com. And my good friend, Ann Latham is talking about clarity. Uh, before we dive into being clear on what this book is, tell me, tell, tell the audience a little bit about why you wanted to write this book and why now? Okay. Well, the book is called The Power of Clarity, just like the website. And it is literally about the all the power of clarity that I think people don't appreciate. And I my company is called Uncommon Clarity. I've been creating clarity for my clients and writing about clarity for uh, 16 years now. And I, wow. I have a real passion for increasing clarity because it makes us more efficient. It makes us more effective. It makes us happier and more self-confident. So to me, clarity is so important and it's underappreciated. So that's why I've written the book. And so I, let me ask you this, because I asked, and and why now? We, we have all gone through as a planet an incredible time over the last 16 months. And I know how long it takes to write a book. Just curious, did this book come out of uh, anything that we, we just went through? Did you start it before the pandemic? Uh, tell me a little bit about the timeline. Well, I started it before the pandemic. I started it, uh, it'll, it'll be two years this August, but I didn't get really serious until about Christmas time 
uh, was a 2019. And, and so starting last January, year ago, January, I got very serious about it. And, and uh, the pandemic of course broke out a couple months later, but man, as far as I'm concerned, what a great time to choose to write a book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do so many of the things I wanted, I want to do, and I like to do. So I spent uh, by far the bulk of my time from January to August writing this book. And that's wow. when I sent the manuscript into the publisher. So this book, you, you obviously work with CEOs of, of, of companies and, and I'm sure leadership teams and executives uh, talk a little bit because I, I'm gonna and you used a great word unleash. Uh, we're here on unleash the podcast, unleashing the true potential of workplace productivity, confidence, and empowerment. Who whom is this book specifically written for? Who's going to benefit the most? Well, it's certainly going to help workers in corporate America, and it's geared towards the leaders of corporate America and, and the big corporations. But at the same time, my clients range from the global giants like Boeing and Hitachi and Medtronic down to uh, nonprofits, um, uh, public television, Smith College, other colleges and universities. And I also have a lot of people who get my newsletter who say, man, I, I use this stuff with my kids, you know? <laughs> so to me, I mean, the, the basic skills in this book are about, well, the, not just the eye-opening start, it starts with eye-opening, so you really understand what clarity is all about, but then the skills it teaches apply across the board to innumerable situations and organizations of all size. However, the, the large corporations will benefit tremendously, and the examples come out of my corporate life and my corporate consulting more than generally more than the, the small organizations. And certainly I don't think I have any family examples. <laughs> yeah. I have told good family stories in my speeches and things, but not in the <laughs> book, I don't think. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if it's a mis misperception, but I, I think there's a thought that business leaders in high ranking companies are always clear. They always, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're business people and uh, they know what they're doing and we, you and I both know we're all humans. What is it about us as humans that leads us to not having clarity so that somebody like you has to write a book about it? Oh, that's such a great question. I'm just opening my book here because I have a whole chapter called, We Aren't Wired for Clarity. <laughs> <laughs> it goes through about eight different reasons of why we don't, we aren't clear. And it starts with, we are driven to get started. We're driven to dive in and start things instead of pausing long enough to create the clarity. We need to do it efficiently and effectively. Uh, we are too eager to help each other. So we are quick to launch in with advice when, you know, or answers to questions or solving problems that we haven't actually been asked for. <laughs> People don't even want it. Uh, and a third example is we like to talk. So people like to talk. And to me, a lot of clarity is really about before you dive in, before you start talking, before you help, are helping, are you really specific about what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to get there? So and do you think, based on what you, you just said, do you think as our world, our business world, and our actually our, our personal world as well, has accelerated because of technology, it seems to me that 
uh, you know, 30 years ago seems a lifetime ago, really, when it comes to business, everything is so different. It's so the, the, the need for speed, it seems to be higher. Do you think that that has made it even more difficult to have clarity, you know, today rather than, than 25, 30 years ago? Uh, yes, in that the world is more complex and moving faster. Yes, I think that's true. But if you look at some of our perennial problems, let me take um, unproductive meetings, for instance. Everyone hates meetings with good reason. And there has been countless advice written about how to improve meetings for the last at least 50 years. Right. You know? And Certainly. people, and it, what's changed? People are still complaining about meetings. And the things people do to try to improve meetings are things like, let's create an agenda and let's have a timekeeper and let's throw all the cell phones in a basket and let's lock the door and let's remove the chairs. And all of these things are about controlling people to improve meetings. And the problem is, is that's not the problem. The problem with meetings is that people aren't clear about what needs to be different when the meeting's done. What concrete, tangible thing do we have to have when we walk out of the meeting that we didn't have coming in? Do we need a specific decision? Do we need a specific plan? Do we need a list of resources? We, these are really concrete things where it's really clear about we're done. We finished it. We've accomplished our purpose. But instead, we get into meetings and we just start talking and we talk too much. And we don't. And then, and then of course, our attention is turned to controlling people. How do we get them to talk less? Well, you get them to talk less by focusing them on more specific outcomes and be sure that the talk is focused at that. So I know your book is much more than just meetings, but let's stick on meetings because I think everybody who's listening or watching this is shaking, nodding, nodding their head. They, they, we've all been in those meetings. Yes. I want to try to quantify this because I, I think it's hard to, but you, you probably have done it. If just on meetings alone, you were, you were to improve them based on some of the things that you, you talk about in your book, how can you quantify that from productivity, efficiency, okay. uh, having that extra clarity, can you quantify it? Yeah, yeah, because the average person spends probably, average employee spends probably 25% of their time in meetings. Um, production workers on the assembly line, some of those people would be in the lesser category, but then you get up to management and CEOs, and some of them spend 110% of their time in meetings. And they claim that it's not till six o'clock that they can finally sit down and get their work done because they've spent the entire day in meetings and probably skipped a few meetings in order to attend other meetings. So the amount of time people are spending in meetings is huge. But if we just take that 25% as an average and say that, you know, that the average employee is spending 25% of that time in meetings, that means that a quarter of your workforce is effectively hired to do nothing but attend meetings. Wow. Which means, you know, and if those meetings are unproductive, and there I've got references in there about, you know, the number of CEOs who say meetings are unproductive. <laughs> and we all know it, of course, but, you know, <laughs> people, people have, have um, there are studies about that, about, you know, whether CEOs think that anything's accomplished. But anyway, if, if you've got, essentially a quarter of your workforce not accomplishing anything. And suddenly you got rid of a bunch of those meetings, reduce these other meetings to, you know, five, 10 minutes. Look at the productivity improvement there. It's like getting, you know, increasing your, your workforce 
by a huge percentage without hiring anyone. So I have to ask you this question because it just dawned on me as you were talking about about this. Uh, a lot of what I talk and write about is balance, uh, you know, life balance for <laughs> from a professional and personal standpoint. As you become more efficient, as you become more clear, so you can become more efficient in, in your performance and everything you do, would you agree with me? You don't have to stuff more work and more meetings into the new time that you just created. There's some space there to have some clarity in your in your personal life too, so that you can enjoy. Would you? Am I wrong, or would you agree with me? I would agree. I mean, if you if you really, and it's not just meetings, but but other things, if you really become that much more efficient, um, there are studies that say that eighty percent of your time at work is not very productive. That you really are cruising with confidence only twenty percent of the day. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember years ago, decades ago, hearing people say, well, you know, only two hours a day do people really get work done. And I remember thinking, oh, that's because they're, they're hanging out by the water cooler and they're chatting in the halls. And it took me until much later to realize, no, 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 no. It's not because they are wasting time. It's because there is so much of their time that's unproductive, whether it's in meetings or dealing with piles of email or chasing uh, vague requests or on wild goose chases or shifting priorities where suddenly what they're working on isn't important anymore. And so if you ask people, how much of your day are you just cruising with confidence where you're in that zone and getting work done? It's just a couple hours. It's really scary. Wow. Tell me, Anne, how has the, because you wrote a lot of this during the pandemic and all of a sudden the immediate pivot to virtual work environments, how much of your book in the writing changed from what you originally thought you were going to write about? How much of, of this clarity was altered or affected by what happened during COVID-19? That's a really good question. And I would say the answer is it does, It wasn't okay. <laughs> other than I had more time to write it. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about, trying to work remotely, that just makes clarity that much more important. Because otherwise, you have far greater chance of being, you know, not working on the right things, or wasting time. If, if, if you're in a boring meeting in person, you might be zoning out or falling asleep. If you're in a boring meeting on zoom, you know, you might not dare hit mute or turn the video off, right. but who knows what you're actually doing and how much you're getting anything done, you know? So you, you are quitting that meeting completely. And you're not only wasting your time by not participating, but presumably, and this is not always true, as a matter of fact, it's rarely true, you shouldn't have been invited if your attendance <laughs> wasn't critical. Well, yeah, yeah. So when you have people zoning out and doing other things, you know, you're not contributing whatever that is they thought they needed from you. Either that or they never should have invited you. So let me ask you this. So I'll, let's let's put meetings aside because uh, I, I think everybody is in agreement that the issues that you bring up are, are really important. Aside from meetings, what are one or two other top offenders <laughs> of clarity uh, that you talk about in your book? Okay, like one of my favorites is, our, our language, our language is, is not suitable to clarity. So 
Um, we talk in what I call treadmill verbs. These, you know, when you get on a treadmill, you can go forever. You never get to the destination. You can always go another mile. You can always, you know, run a little farther, another 10 minutes. Well, the treadmill verbs are basically words that, I mean, they're verbs, they're things, you, activities you can do forever. There's no way to know when you're done. You never reach a destination. For example, and these, these words might sound familiar to you, review, report, communicate, share, inform. Do you hear these? In I do. I, I, I use them all. And now all of a sudden I'm nervous. I, I use every single one of those. Yeah. And every one of those is an inv open invitation to talk without any speci specific destination. Wow. Because so you can report forever. You can review forever. So can you give, give everyone just one example of how you would, how would you would change your language to, to be more clear? Yes. Okay. So for one thing, you have to eliminate all those treadmill verbs and use destination verbs. And the good news is while there are dozens of treadmill verbs, there are really only six or eight destination verbs. One is decide. When you make a decision, you know you're done because you've made a decision. It's pretty clear. The second one is plan. When you make a plan, you know you're done because you've got a plan. Now, plan is a little risky because some people do manage to plan forever. I mean, it's a little sketchy. <laughs> right, right. When you solve a problem, problem resolution, you're done when you have a solution. Now, those are the three basic ones. And the next one is a list. When you, when you make a decision or make a plan, you don't necessarily make the entire plan all at once. So you make a lot of lists go into a plan, a list of resources, a list of action items, a list of risks. I mean, these are specific lists that you can make while you're assembling a plan. The fourth one is confirmation. You confirm, that's a destination verb to confirm, right? So it, what, it, what, what the importance of this is, is if I'm working on something, and someone, and I'm, I'm in a meeting or not in a meeting, and I'm just looking for confirmation. Am I on the right track? I can go in and say, look, I, I just did this. I'm going to do this next. And this is how I think I'm going to go about it. And you're looking for a yes or no answer, basically. Yes, that sounds good. You're on the right track. Or a no, no, I think we should talk about this. I love okay? that. But I you know what that. happens instead? That everyone in the room or everyone you talk to has tons of advice about, oh, you should be sure to do this. And what about this? And when you get to the next stage over here, be sure to do that. And you just gloss over because all you wanted to know was, am I on the right track right now with this next step? Right, right. So confirm is another destination verb. And the, the sixth one is, is authorize, to grant approval, to approve. So it's, and it's, it works like confirmation. I have finished my plan. Am I approved to ex to implement? You know, you know, it just popped in my head, by the way, those are awesome. I can't wait to read your book, which just popped in my head is how many, and, and give, tell me if I, I'm giving you a good example of something in correspondence in an email. If I had was writing you an email and I said, Anne, get back to me when you can, or let me know when you can get together. There, there's, there's it. Now I'm going to probably have a, a string of 
of emails. Can you confirm that Tuesday it's at, at 10 works or something like that? Yeah. Would that be better language and just leaving it open ended say, Hey, let me know when you're available. Right. Yeah. It'd be much better to say I'm available these three times, which one works for you. Yep. Yep. Wow. So before we go into to how people can order your book, that's coming out on Tuesday, July the 6th, uh, we talked a lot about this in business usage and I just, you, you touched on something and I want to confirm there might be somebody who is not the boss, who's not the CEO, who's not an executive, uh, who may be working for somebody starting a career, doing a career, even uh, in their, in their own personal life, we're all looking for clarity. Would this book be helpful for anybody? Uh, this book would be helpful for almost anybody. Um, I do talk about one business in the book where they don't need it, <laughs> but it's pretty interesting because the way they're organized, but I've never been in an organization or a business that couldn't benefit from this. And like I said earlier, sometimes your family could benefit, you know, sure. your, your neighborhood could benefit, your community could certainly benefit. Our politics could certainly benefit from yeah. this book. It's huge in, in all of those arenas. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's very broad and there's specific advice advice in there too for what to do in cases where you're not the boss, but you see the issues. Gotcha. But as with most things in a corporation, if you really want to improve things, the boss has to buy in, you know, mm-hmm. but individual groups, individual departments could create more clarity just by themselves using the techniques in this book. Well, thank you. And thank you for being on. I, I am looking forward to getting my copy. Maybe I can get you to sign, sign one for me and then it'll be really worth something. Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, there's a few big names uh, endorsing it. Uh, people like Dan Pink and Marshall Goldsmith and Ken Blanchard and Dory Clark and Matt Church and, and Alan Weiss, some big names. So uh, people need to go out and get this book. How do they do it? Well, if you go to that website, powerofclarity.com with hyphens between the words, uh, there's links to all the places you can buy the book. It's pretty much available anywhere. So you can go to your favorite Amazon, your favorite bookstore. Uh, Just remember, it's called thepowerofclarity.com. Unleash the true potential of workplace productivity, confidence, and empowerment. Well, we just had a great Unleashed the Podcast episode with my friend Ann Latham, author of The Power of, uh, author of, yeah, The Power of Clarity. I made sure I got that right. The in front. And uh, congratulations on the book. Thank you for being part of this. Everybody else, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Go buy the book from Anne. And uh, please make sure that while you're out there, be safe, be healthy, be happy. uh, And most importantly, be unleashed. (laughs) 